Hey y'all, this is Benny, the host of the Last Week at Podcast. Before we really get into this week's episode, I just wanted to say that it's been great fun for me and my co-host Mayank to use this podcast as a medium to chat with an incredible area of guests from all over the world on a variety of topics in the cricketing universe. For a couple of amateur podcasters, this is all possible due to Spotify for podcasters. And if you want to get in on this as well, here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. As added features, video podcasts are also now available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. So if you have an idea for a podcast, give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com podcasters to get started. Hello and welcome to The Last Wicked, a cricket podcast where occasionally we punish ourselves by dredging up painful memories. I'm your host, Benny, and this week we are taking a trip down memory lane, all the way back to 2011, where Indian cricket fans got to lurch from the high of a rare World Cup trophy win at home to two of the most demoralizing overseas test campaigns by an Indian team in recent memory. Yes, dear listeners, we are going to talk about India's tours of England and Australia, which led to the infamous 0-8 scoreline. Now, you will have to trust me, there are a few good reasons we are bringing it up all over again. To revisit those wretched days and talk about all that happened over the course of those miserable few weeks and how far the team has come since then, I'm joined by my co-hosts Mayank and Himanish, as well as special guest Subhash Jayaraman, aka at Cricket Couch, who not only followed the games closely, but was there in person for four of the eight games. Here's our conversation. We are going to be talking about the 2011 tours of England and Australia by the Indian team led by Mahindra Singh Dhoni. And to kind of talk this all out for a brief therapy session, uh, we have co-hosts Himanish and Mayank, and joined by a special guest, Subhash Jairaman, aka Cricket Couch. Subhash, how are you? I'm doing well, Ben. How are you? Thanks for having me. Hello, Himanish and uh, Mayank. I haven't been on a podcast uh, since, I want to say, 2019, so this is therapy all around. (laughs) (laughs) Let's let's hope that uh, this conversation will help... um, process unprocessed thoughts and emotions. So for the few people who may not know you, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, I am Subhash Jairaman. Uh, also go by the Cricket Couch once upon a time. And then when I shut down my Twitter, it became Cricket Couch without the article, uh, which is appropriate because I stopped uh, writing stuff. Um, so yeah, I used to have a podcast back in the day, um, blog and stuff. And uh, I wrote, wrote for a bunch of outlets. That's about it. I think much is happening here. 
Well, the re- one of the reasons uh, I wanted to have you on the show is, you know, since we're talking about the 2011 tours, you were there for four of the eight games, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I went through this phase in my life, right? This is, we're talking 10 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where uh, I had been blogging for a few years. I think I want to say 2007 uh, to 2011. And then uh, with Twitter uh, and Facebook and all that, it was a pretty good social networking of cricket bloggers, fans, uh, wannabes, which where I include myself. Um, around the world, not just India or the US, you know, uh, England, Australia, and South Africa, in Pakistan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, all over the place, right? Um, and uh, we had uh, connections in like Trinidad uh, as well, uh, and Barbados. So, um, you know, I was uh, doing this blog, uh, Cricket Couch blog, and then uh, started a podcast uh, around 10 years ago. Uh, and uh, I thought, well, you know, maybe there is something I could do uh, with cricket as a career, like writing about it, talking about it. So I thought best way to uh, get an opportunity is put yourself out there. So I started traveling. Uh, started, basically, I started traveling around 2010 and then uh, 2011, I thought, well, you know, England is right next door and uh, I got some free tickets actually to go to um, Lords and uh, Trenbridge. Um, so I was like, well, you know, I have to buy my flight tickets, but other than that, everything else is covered. So I went and I thought India coming off the back of um, World Cup win and a uh, tournament that they never lose, IPL. And then uh, winning in West Indies, I was like, they're going to do pretty well uh, in England. So I was like, got to be there. Plus it's Sachin's, who knows, you know, who Sachin played for another, what, year and a half, two years, oh. uh, yeah, two and a half years. But we thought 2011 is the end and... Uh, it was a 2000 test match at Lords, uh, and uh, such as 100 100 was beckoning. So I thought all the stars are aligning, so got to be there. So I remember, you know, just putting up my luggage in uh, Paddington Station, some storage, and then running off to Lords. Um, and uh, that was the high point of the series. And for the rest of the year, uh, another uh, seven more test matches <laughs> overseas, anyway. So yeah, so my thing was initially was such it was all about Sachin. Uh, got to see him in the flesh uh, for his last tours, last tests. So that's how it got started. So for the England series, I went to Lords and Trenbridge. Uh, those were the two weeks I could take off of work. Um, okay. And then uh, I went to Melbourne and Sydney because it's Boxing Day and New Year's Test match uh, in Australia. So you know, once again, the holidays uh, line up. Is that my daughter that's making the noise? <laughs> yes, has to be. She's okay. she's remembering those know. days somehow. She's the, gener- she's the voice of the new generation, man. <laughs> you can't suppress that, right? <laughs> so, uh, so that's a. Um, I thought, well, uh, India goes to England, and conditions are different. You know, swinging ball and all that. Um, they come home, recalibrate themselves, um, and then go to Australia, where they know how to win. Uh, you know, they had won in the previous series, like few Test matches. Um, and uh, it was Sachin's fifth, I think, tour of Australia. And so you still have the old timers and you have newcomers. And then Zayn Khan was going to be fit in Australia. But as a fan, it was very disappointing. Uh, right. But, you know, you thought they would do something. But looking back on it, it's ob- kind of obvious why they couldn't do as well as we all wanted them to do. Well, let's let's go in depth on it. Uh, but let, let me start with Mike. Um, you know, the lead up to the 2011 tour, of England, uh, what were your expectations of the Indian team? 
I think Subhash hit, hit the nail on the head. I, I think they were pretty high because there was this whole hype about it being the 2000, uh, 2000 test. Um, and India had just won the World Cup. And even if you look like two to, two to three years before that, we had done well in New Zealand in, in the test series. We'd won in England the last time we visited. Um, so, you know, we'd won after 26 years. So, I mean, o- overall, like, it was just a very positive vibe. We thought that we had the bowlers. Uh, Zaheer Khan, after his county stint, was, you know, lethal in England. Um, there was Shrishant and uh, Praveen Kumar to support him. So it generally felt like there was a chance we could win again. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, I think the only thing that I remember from that time was Sehwag being um, away for the first couple of tests due to a shoulder injury where, you know, he, he got a surgery. But other than that, it felt like it was a full squad. Everybody was, you know, uh, close to their peak, if not um, at their peak. And we really had a good chance. So uh, that's what I thought the series was going to be, and obviously uh, turned out quite differently. Um, but yeah, I think that's what I was thinking back then. Himanish, what were your thoughts? I mean, there was positive anticipation, right? Because there was this whole hoopla about Sachin's 100th, 100th, and the 2000th game, and so on. Um, they'd won the World Cup, so there was fanfare around that. But I do remember there were concerns about fatigue, which panned out through the series. Uh, so that's what I remember. It was also my JE year. So I don't remember much except for being mauled by life. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, there was a bit of anticipation, but I remember concerns as well that these people are tired. They were kind of left to their devices, the players, and Sevak chose to have a surgery right before the test series, which was also a point of concern. So yeah, there was there was this sort of uh, hope for Tedulkar, but there were also these concerns. So it was a mixed bag, yeah. I remember a lot of expectations were placed on Zahir Khan and I think the series started ominously with his injury in the first game. So let's get into it. So the first game uh, was at Lourdes and I'm looking at the scorecard here. So England batted first, scored 474, led by a double century from Kevin Peterson. And interestingly, Praveen Kumar took a fifer and completely forgot about that. India scored 286, led by a century from Rahul Dravid, unbeaten, which seemed to be like the theme for that series going forward. England batted second, scored 269 for six with a century from Matt Pryor. And then India got bowled out for 261 with Suresh Raina top scoring with 78, which would remain his only solid contribution. Uh, Subhash, we'll start with you. You were there uh, for that game. What were your memories from that? So, you know, as I said, uh, I was rushed from Paddington to get there, right? So by the time I got there, uh, Zahir Khan was out, I think. Uh, so I missed that spectacle. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, what I most remember from Lords is uh, my phone battery running down and uh, me having my laptop while I'm sitting in the stands, charging my phone so that I could tweet. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, that and uh, all the mauling from KP and uh, Matt Pryor, especially I, I remember KP and I remember uh, Dhoni uh, getting a wicket and then being overturned on, I think, uh, review. I mean, the fact that Dhoni was bowling itself told you where the series was going uh, and it was in the first test match. Uh, I think Zayakan was the linchpin for India. I mean, there was, you know, it was an experienced attack, whatever. I mean, Praveen Kumar did exceedingly well, but, uh, you know, he's not Zaire Khan. Uh, as well as he did, Praveen did, it's mostly because the opportunity was there for him to bowl non-stop pretty much into the ground. Uh, Dhoni did. Uh, Srisanth did not play the first test match, played the next three. Uh, and uh, Srisanth is always a wild card. You know, he, he's not in a 
he's going to give you a boundary ball every over because he's an attacking bowler. He tries to swing the ball, so he bowls a very full length, uh, attacking length, but at the same time, he goes for runs. Um, and then you had Ishan Sharma. So this is the Ishan Sharma of the old. It's not the new Ishan Sharma. Ten years ago, I mean, the, the fact that the guy just played all the test matches while everybody was getting injured, especially Lord's test match. I think Yuvraj got uh, hit on the stomach. I think. Uh, uh, Gambhir got hit in the head. I think mm-hmm. there's like a whole bunch of things happening. Uh, a lot of injuries too, right? Uh, but yep. Ishan Sharma somehow plays through. Uh, and you, uh, I can't remember the last time Ishan Sharma missed a test series except for this recent Australia one. Um, so the guy just keeps playing, uh, you know, elastic, elastic man. Um, but however, he is, was a terrible test bowler. And the lengths he bowls um, are, is not suited for England uh, to begin with. Um, and he's not as crafty in bowling the ball that straightens as he is now uh, back then. So back then he could only bowl the ball that came in and uh, he's su- more suited for South Africa and Australia rather than England. So if you look at, and Umesh Yadav, psh, come on, he's like uh, out of control Sri Sant, you know. <laughs> um, so basically India's bowling lineup was exposed without Zahir Khan because the fact was Zahir Khan could be the stopper and also the guy who could uh, stand it mid-off and mid-on and guide these guys through. Um, and once he was injured, I think he bowled like 13 hours in the series or something, 13 or 14 hours. That's it. And so it's not even a session worth of work uh, out of Zahir Khan and uh, he was out of the series. Uh, so from there on, it's downhill. So th- those are the, the fact that Zahir Khan was out and, uh, you know, uh, every day, here's a funny thing, uh, you know, uh, during lunch session, uh, when, every, you know, when there's a 40 minute break, you know, the bench players come out and you know go through the work, so you can watch it in a test match. You see that bench players coming out, and especially in England, you know they get to bowl right next to the center pitch, cut pitch. And in in Lords, you get to see in the nursery ground. Uh, they were that's where the nets are, so that's where you see the players. So every day it was a suspense like how is that kind of pulling up? You know, uh, uh, you know is he practicing? So you will see that kind of like is his hamstring taped up, uh, hobbling around, uh, and then slowly like, oh maybe he will come in for Trent Bridge. And then he didn't, and then it's like huge cheers goes around in like towards the end of Trent Bridge where you could actually, he's doing, because England, India got whooped. Um, and uh, he, he, uh, he was like bowling what I would consider was like 80% speed. And he's like, oh my God, you know, India still has a chance to score in the series. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, I used to, I used to write a blog for uh, the Spin Cricket Magazine, which is no longer there. I think George Dovell uh, was the uh, owner of the thing and Jared was the uh, editor, Kimber. So I wrote some blogs for that, and I wrote from an Indian fan point of view, saying about it. I still get mocked for that by my uh, good friends uh, that I made on Twitter, cricket friends. That uh, you know, uh, after Lords, I wrote the India have uh, England where they really want him or something like some shit like that. Uh, <laughs> as a f- true fan would, uh, fanatic would, you know. Uh, obviously, it's like completely detached from reality that uh, India's bowling is just basically without Zaid Khan is hollow. Um, but uh, yeah, the Lords Test match, um, the first uh, four days. It was terrible, uh, and then you're like, oh, well, hope, hopefully, you know, India could uh, draw, and then like fifth day, because they don't sell the tickets to the fifth day of the Test match till uh, the day of or the night before. So that morning, we all went to Lords because now that the Test match had gone into the fifth day, um, there was you, know, you could go in the morning and line up, and we thought we'd go there early. I was like 200 or something in the line. I was there at seven. Um, everybody, because there was a chance for Sachin to play an innings at Lords, 2000 Test match, so. You know, he scores a hundred in a draw, possibly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think he had a stomach flu or some issue. Like Tendulkar was sick in that during the Test match. But um, you know, as a fan, you want all the impossible things to happen. Um, 
you know, uh, there is no basis of reality. Uh, but uh, so we all stood in line for uh, three and a half hours and then, uh, you know, all the way around and stretched for so long. I think we were like close to uh, Mick Jagger's house or something like that, that, that far. Uh, but eventually we got in and uh, proud to say I was wearing a tennis of a Kings jersey, Dhoni shirt. Uh, and I got high fives in the stands from England fans because there were some IPL fans even back then. Uh, even though the establishment thing was that they didn't like IPL in England, but I think even the fans yeah. that came to the fifth day of the test match, you know, it's pretty good. Um, so those are my memories of Lords. Um, I've tried to suppress a lot of the uh, bad ones, as you can tell. Uh, <laughs> but, and we're bringing uh, it all but, back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but uh, you know, um, you knew without Zaire Khan, uh, you just hoped against hope that you would be ready for Trent Bridge, or at least it was in, um, or coming back to Oval. Uh, you thought India had a chance at Oval because Oval is a slower wicket. Um, but uh, yeah, that was a huge blow. And the fact that um, Kevin Peterson and Matt Pryor played like it was like a backyard game. It was just yeah. anybody could bowl. And he, because he was that kind of batsman, you know. Um, and England were, as a team, with Strauss' captaincy, uh, Andy Flower was there uh, as a coach. Um, they had reached a point where they were ready to take on uh, the number one mantle. Um, and as you would see later on, they would go to Australia, beat Australia, they would come to India, beat India. Um, so they were, and the early signs of that, or the signs of that great team was seen here, even though India's, India couldn't put up a real opposition in terms of ball, especially, and bat as well. I, I personally thought that um, Gambhir's injury was also crucial because I think in the 2010-11 period, he was a really good test batter. Um, I think he was at one point number two after Sachin, and I felt like his concussion after that he was never the same. Like it, it, I, I don't know if it was a concussion, but that's what like a lot of people were, you know, guessing. And uh, it just felt like he was never the same batsman after that. And obviously he did play domestic cricket and come come back to play for India as well. But uh, but yeah, I just felt like from that was you know where our um, the reliable opening stand of Sehwag and Gambhir were just done. Adding to Mayank's point, I think I think the bedrock of India's sort of number one position had been a good opening stand. And Gambhir was pretty much woeful on both those tours. And he had this uh, had this knack for like poking outside the off stump, which was famously called rubbish on air. So yeah, I think <laughs> I think uh, Zaid Khan pulling up is one of the memories I have. I don't have many memories, like I said. But yeah, uh, the batting beginning with Gambhir down through like everyone except for Dravid. Uh, was also abysmal. Uh, now, you talked about Ishant uh, Subhash. Uh, Crickwiz did a piece last year, I think, or this year or last year. Uh, Ishant's expected average minus his actual average on that tour was the biggest differential in their database. So he was very, very, very unlucky in patches. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like if you, if you don't have a bowling attack that's penetrative or controlling, it's very hard to win a series. And if you look down the scorecards in that series for England, you can see that because not only did England make huge scores, the run rates they were able to mount because we had no control were massive. And that's why you lose the game, uh, regardless of your batting. You, uh, Ivanish, uh, you make a great point about the control and, uh, you know, uh, attacking, right? The fact that India could do neither. And in Dhoni, they had a captain who was super hyper-conservative. Um, like he played test matches like he was playing ODIs, which is that take the uh, game as late as possible, which will work in a limited over te- game, but it doesn't really work in a test match. Um, and he, I mean, this would be the sign of things to come for 
many years uh, with Dhoni as captain, or for many, uh, yeah, many seasons, uh, where you would post somebody deep point, like first, second over yeah. of the freaking game, you'll yeah. post somebody deep. That's the lack of confidence. Yeah, I mean, rightfully so. Yeah, terrible. Yeah, so so, so that's mean, what that, I want to ask you as well, because how much of that is a function of how bad his bowlers were? The fact that he didn't even have two credit. bowlers. I mean, you have to give him credit that he knew his players, he knew his team, right? But at the same time, the fact that uh, this is not a one-day game means that if you want to give yourself any chance, you have to take the wickets. You're not going to get a wicket by posting somebody at a deep, uh, deep point, right? So you have to roll the dice. So somebody like uh, Kohli, who um, gambles a lot, he aggressively goes for it sometimes. And that has led to the detriment of the team like in, in um, England or South Africa, where he goes aggressively, which is fine. But however... Given that the bowling attack was depleted, the only way India could compete in the series was to be, you know, take a few gambles. And uh, Dhoni, Dhoni would try to take a gamble. As soon as it doesn't work out, he'll just back off and go back to, uh, you know, try, let's try to stretch the game as much as possible. And maybe England's weather would come in and help out. Uh, or maybe something will happen. Uh, England might lose a cluster of wickets or something like that. He was just hoping for something to happen. And you can't really blame him um, because the bowlers he had at his disposal. I mean, look at look at it, right? right. You still have um, Ishant, Umesh, Ashwin uh, still playing for India, but they were like raw, really raw bowlers at that time. So without Zaid Khan, and thankfully Praveen Kumar came in and he was, uh, you know, excellent first-class uh, player and great conditions to bowl in. And same thing happened in the 2014 series where Bhuneshwar Kumar was bowled into the ground because there was nobody else really, right? So. Those two series are exactly the same, uh, in my point of view. Uh, that 11 and 14, basically the same, except uh, you had uh, mm-hmm. one UP bowler bowling instead of the other. That's about it. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> right? Uh, so, yeah, you can't blame him, uh, but you would have you would have thought that Dhoni, for all the smarts he has, would have realized that the only way India could compete was go for broke. And then either mm-hmm. you get... Um, beaten by, you know, innings and 400 runs um, than just, you know, by 10 wickets. It's a very important sort of question, right? Because when people look back at these series, Dhoni is the number one scapegoat. And this is pointed as a shining example of his bad captaincy. Mm. But I think there's a lot of nuance there, right? Because if you can't exercise control with your bowlers, you can't really do what you want. So I think there's a nuanced discussion waiting to happen, which doesn't happen. You know, you look back without context and then you just like, yeah, label people. If you look at only the uh, final scoreline of the test series, then, you know, it's easy to uh, hang it on Dhoni, but that would be fair to Dhoni as well. I mean, he didn't plan on, nobody does planning on, uh, you know, your lead uh, pace bowler uh, who led you to the test victory. You know, he, Zaid Khan was instrumental in getting the win at Trent Bridge in 2007. Uh, and... India are lucky to escape at Lords, uh, thanks to Steve Buckner. For all the shit that Steve Buckner gets, uh, Sri Sandhu was plumb in LBW in 2007. Uh, I think it was Sri Sandhu. Who was that batsman? Some Dhoni was back in the Plum LBW does not give him. Rain comes in. Day five gets washed out. Uh, and then India go 0-0 to Trent Bridge and win. Um, without Zahir Khan, they don't win that series. Uh, without Zahir Khan, they don't win, compete in this series. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I agree that uh, it's easy to blame Dhoni, but I would also say that you couldn't make the argument that, you know, knowing that the only way was to attack, 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 
and then because otherwise you're going to lose anyway. Maybe he thought uh, with the batsmen in his side, you know, Tendulkar, Lakshman, mm-hmm. and Dravid, that uh, he could eke out a draw here and there. But with the conditions that the India played yeah. in, um, 11 and 14 and even 18, uh, ball swinging all over the place, it was just and uh, England being the strong team that they were, uh, they had no chance really. One of the comment I had about the captaincy bit was, uh, it, uh, I, you know, many years later, I heard Samit Bal talk about this on Jared Kimber's podcast about, you know, the type of captain Dhoni was. And I've always wondered how that has influenced, you know, what Virat Kohli does, because it, it seems like he has a different method. Um, and, you know, Ashwin on his YouTube channel has mentioned how uh, Virat Kohli, the moment he became captain, he said, this, the bowlers are going to run the team. This is what I'm expecting, blah, 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 and all of that. So... I, I mean, I know we, none of us have privy to like those internal conversations, but what are your thoughts about that? Like, do you think that played an influence in the way Virat Kohli captains today? I think uh, they're cut from different uh, from different cloths. Uh, they are two different personalities, different players, uh, different priorities. Um, you know, you can only take them on uh, face value of what they've said, which is that Kohli has made it abundantly clear that uh, Test cricket is his priority. Right, so you could say that he's saying it uh, because that's, that's the thing to say. That's what the establishment, uh, cricket establishment, likes to hear. You could make that statement, but you have to go with what they say without having, you know, being privy to what their internal thought processes are. Uh, you have to go with what they say, which is that Kohli uh, values and uh, he puts Test cricket in, and winning in Test cricket means a lot. Whereas Dhoni um, is an entirely different player and has come in with different priorities. Um, you know. Which is fine, uh, you know. It's not. He didn't ask to be made the captain. They, they gave it to him. People chose that he's the best one to lead, and so he led it the way he thought was gave India the best chance to compete. And uh, and same, Kohli does the same thing. He thinks this is the best way to compete. And as would happen, there's also you could say that um, Kohli is reaping the benefits of sticking with, as, as we just said, three of the bowlers from 2011 are still playing. So. You know, 10 years of experience, he's also playing with that. So Kohli can afford to, um, you know, uh, be attacking because he, know, he knows he has the bowlers. And to if this team gets bowled for uh, 150, he knows that, well, guess what? My team can do the same to you. Whereas Dhoni did not have that luxury. So we have to see through that prism of resources that were available. And also the fact that um, they are essentially two different personalities. Um, they want, they, the way they play their cricket um, the way they um, approach test cricket in particular is very different. And there is no right or wrong uh, or you know, any one particular way you have to approach. You just go with your product of uh, what you grew up with and uh, you, you don't really control your destiny, your resources and uh, all the uh, luck that goes along with it also dictates it. If you have good bowlers and good bench strength, um, you're gonna do well. Uh, I mean, look at this, right? In, in the Australia, recent Australia tour, uh, seemed recent, a long time ago. Um, you could bring in Mohamed Siraj and the dude comes and bowls as if, you know, he's a five-year test veteran, you know, except for the first spell, the lengths he hit, incredible lengths. And whereas the bowlers outside of uh, Praveen Kumar, nobody could hit the, any other test length. And these are veterans. Like Srisanth has been playing since 2007. Uh, Ishan has been playing since 2008. Couldn't hit the length that they needed to hit. So, whereas... So you could right. uh, point to the fact that India has developed very good bench strength and guided these youngsters and given them exposure. Uh, and all, you, could, you know, So it has led to them coming in ready to take on. This is like the old Australia. The first class, here the first class system is still 
okay in India, but uh, they have found a way to replace uh, or get a higher level of competition by playing a lot of A tours, uh, taking them along, uh, things like that. And the coaching ecosystem behind supporting these players is tremendous. Uh, compared and uh, the way if you get a tiny bit injury and all that the support you get you know you, you no longer have to uh, fake or uh, hide your injury to go and bowl at like 75 percent in first class uh, because otherwise I'll lose my uh, paycheck you know, there's a lot more stuff right. happening these days than that uh, Virat Kohli is benefiting from than was available to Dhoni back 10 years ago I think you can see yeah. that right because when you have an injury now you have a battery of four or five pacers who can come in and play well. Whereas in the England series, they had to call R.P. Singh back from vacation for the last test. <laughs> I know. And he was out of shape and he was tired. He was having a great yeah, time so, in Miami. Yeah. That <laughs> is the stark difference, I, right? See, when uh, when Benny sent me this uh, outline of the thing and I had like made some notes, it was like uh, R.P. Singh. Uh, was, uh, that, that was the, that's how he was called in Twitter back then. Pretty little. Uh, <laughs> R.P. Singh. Uh, you know, that's like, I have it written on caps. It's like coming in from Miami for the Oval Test match. And the dude comes in and bowls, I don't know, with, uh, with uh, 20 overs or 25 overs. You know, poor guy, ruined vacation. Uh, you know, that's that's the level of backup. And now we have kids coming in just ready for it. <laughs> also, I think Dhoni was a better captain of players who knew what they were doing. He would let them be on the field and he had trust in them. If you had youngsters who weren't quite, you know, developed yet, he had a problem sort of winning with that. And then he had an aging batting lineup as well. So that is where I think the number one juggernaut got like a bit derailed. I think mm. his his style of management relied upon players knowing what to do. Whereas Kohli is a little different. He's a little more managerial in his uh, approach. And he has better personnel as well. Yeah, if you take the spectrum of captaincy, right? Dhoni on one side, which is like totally hands-off. On one end of the spectrum, the other end of the spectrum is Sachin, who like every single ball you'll go and tell the guy, "Hey, this is what you have to do," and he will show him. Like there are stories of Tendulkar showing, like, "I'm able to do this in the nets." Like, why are you not able to do this? Like, dude, you're Sachin. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not everybody can do everything at a great level that you do because you're Sachin. So you would like so. He will tell everybody sing, every single delivery. Like uh, I'm sure you guys have seen when uh, Sachin was captain. He like every single ball, he will be on the bowler. Like he cut line, woke up line. Okay. And then uh, you know, uh, like he will bat. I've heard from uh, Sanjay Mandrakar um, where Sachin would like you know bat for his two two rapas, whatever in the nets. And then with the pads on, he'll go to the bowler's nets and then and then show him how to do it. Like, dude is like insane, obviously. But uh, so those are the two extremes. Virat Kohli is somewhere in between. Who he does he has the Sachin thing where he gets on like every but the, every single delivery. But then he has like good support system like uh, uh, filter system uh, with uh, um, Pujara and Rahane in between. Like you know, chalo, let, let him do his thing. But then you know you do your thing. Yeah. So there is like good thing. Whereas Dhoni is like, chalo, here everybody is an adult. Everybody is an international player. I mean there is. There is something to be said for that, you know. You're a professional, professional cricketer. So, but then you know, like a lot of these guys come through a system where they're not exposed to anything but cricket. So it's very hard to figure out what's happening. You needed somebody that was a little bit more hands-on. So, Dhoni never really changed his style, except I think uh, when it came to guiding spinners. Maybe he liked to hear himself on the mic, sub mic. I don't know. Uh, but the way, <laughs> you know, that that was the. Like you could uh, see how he would try to guide the spinners. 
but when it came to Pacers, he was just completely hands off. Um, he would do nothing really. Uh, he expected them to do what uh, they were there to do, and they always pan out. Yeah. So resources first and foremost, Kartik Date has written like I don't know how many blogs like about uh, comparing the bowlers because you win with bowlers test matches. You don't have bowlers, you don't win. Anyway, I think that that gets us through the Lord's test match. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just the first so, game of the series. Yeah. Let me give you a quick update of the scorecard at Trentbridge. So England batted first, scored 221, uh, with Stuart Broad top scoring with 64. I cannot believe uh, that happened. Uh, so Praveen Kumar, Ishan Sharma, and Sri Sant picked up three wickets each. So India batted and actually took a lead. They scored 288 mm-hmm. with uh, Century from Rahul Dravid, 50s from Lakshman and Yuvraj Singh. Also surprising. Stuart Broad picked up six for 46. I think I remember that. That was a great spell of fast bowling. It was bowling. a bogus hat trick, by the way. It <laughs> stands for that. It was a bogus hat trick. Harbhajan wasn't able to believe it was given out anyway. Yeah. It was like you could hear the freaking inside edge man in the stands. Yeah. <laughs> and then I mean, uh, I, I, the fact that it's I still remember it because it's not because it was a bogus hat trick. It's because it was Stuart Broad. Right, right, right. <laughs> it, it, we all have our feelings about Broad. So, so England's second innings. This is where things really took off. They scored 544. Ian Bell scoring 159, and this was also where the the run out. Uh, Ian Bell scored was, 235. Well, that was another game. So this was uh, at Trent Bridge. He scored 159. Peterson scored 63. Owen Morgan scored 70. Matt Pryor 70, uh, 73. Tim Bresnan 90. Stuart Broad 44. So you can just make the state. You can make out the state of the Indian bowling if all this was happening. Praveen Kumar picked up four for one twenty-four. India was set a target of four seventy-eight. Uh, bowled out for one fifty-eight with Sachin top scoring with fifty-six. Harbhajan Singh forty-six. So yeah. great game for England. <laughs> But uh, also uh, this was the game for which Dhoni won the Spirit of Cricket Award for his decision to recall Ian Bell uh, after mm. that. Whole runout incident, um, Mike. What were your thoughts about that particular uh, decision by Dhoni? I I thought that was you know really unnecessary because that, that's I that spirit of cricket bullshit always like takes me off because I have very strong feelings about that because if you're not watching the ball and it's not reached the boundary, it's your fault. End of story. Right. Like there's no other explanation to that. And I think it was in like 2015 or 16 where Australia did that to Azhar Ali. Where they were playing in uh, Dubai, and uh, he did the same. You know, he did a bell and got run out, and they rightly ran him out, and there was no like calling him back or you know all of that kind of stuff. And uh, and uh, the other thing that I recently read on Twitter, and again this is somebody else's opinion, but they said it was also one of the biggest mistakes they made because at that point the series was well balanced. Like we had lost one, and yes, our bowling attack wasn't at the best, but it wasn't like the series was already gone, and we had had a decent. Um, You know, first innings where we had taken the lead. So in that sense, also it was. Uh, you know, some people think it's it, they he made the wrong decision, which really let the game go away from India. And um, so yeah, I mean, I I really didn't understand that, and yeah, I don't think I'll ever understand that. <laughs> I was in the stands for that. Um, the reason why there's a difference uh, between um, India recalling uh, Ian Bell and uh, Australia not recalling uh, Azhrali was Ian Bell was the last ball before T. So there was a tea break, 20-minute tea break, during which Andy Flower and Andrew Strauss went into the Indian dressing room and talked to the thing, right? Talked to the Indian management and players. And 
and once people didn't realize because everybody thought it was tea right and then there was an appeal and then it was given run out and you're like what the hell happened nobody really knew and then there was a 20 minute churn on uh, tms uh, sky sports twitter um because at that time everybody thought anything that comes on twitter is like actually real feelings not just like outrage and stuff you know those are the innocent days uh, yeah. so there was a lot of outrage about this uh, and uh, a lot of trolls what not um and was once people you know because in england you can listen to a uh, uh, commentary on your head pieces while you understand so they're listening to the people who are starting listening to them and realized that uh, the version that they heard was that uh, yenbel thought it was somebody had called t and so in walked off and india were uh, uh, unsportsmanlike in you know taking first of all uh, committing the run out and then to appealing for it and an umpire correctly giving it out but that was a version that was heard on the radio and um, so the fans on the ground started booing like non stop um and i had stepped out for a smoke and the booing was going on and then i came to know what the hell happened uh, and, uh, you know and as the indian team walked back in at the resumption of play they were still booing but then they saw ian bell was walking back out because nobody had known that india had withdrawn the appeal um during the tea break um and he came back in and he played uh, you know what 159 right so but i don't think the team uh, or the series score had anything to do with uh, I, i you know if, because i don't think dhoni wanted to uh, recall ian bell because he was very clear he was overruled by two senior players sachin and dravid dravid the eternal you know the nice south indian gentleman south indian bangalore gentleman uh, and to sachin because uh, he didn't want uh, to to be tarnished is his reputation uh, whatever so they just <laughs> they're like well you know if we if if india had uh, stayed with the uh, appeal um, they thought that the rest of the series would be uh, played in a very bad you know there would be a lot of black, bad blood between the teams um so they didn't uh, they didn't want that to happen and ruin the uh, series that's basically it and dhoni was basically convinced by these two senior uh, most cricketers to recall uh, ian bell and so the recall but uh that innings tenukar played in the fourth innings i mean if you can ever maybe somebody should make a request to uh, roblinda uh, man that 50 i think 52 or 56 56 i think 56 of 80 balls or something like that phenomenal innings uh, phenomenal innings like i was sitting in the top tier of the ratcliffe road end uh, but for the final day i sat downstairs with uh, sriram danan i don't know how many of you know him um, he and his young son uh, chotu uh, they were sitting and i was like two rows behind him with a, another friend of mine and we had we were sitting uh, i want to say uh, the mid off angle and uh, there was one sequence where uh, jimmy anderson jimmy anderson has the ball on a string you know he's swinging in out and what not and telgar just hit like top 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 three boundaries in a row like one through cover uh, one through extra cover and uh, they put extra like this so the plug field is there so he hit between extra cover and mid off third boundary i mean that was some scintillating batting uh, like the best i thought like that 100 100 is going to happen yeah you know even though it's, obviously you knew um when the uh, i think um lakshman opened the batting in the second innings i remember like uh, you know the well, lunch break it was bokan then dravid who opened lakshman came one down right what lakshman came one down um so uh like you know bokan got out i think and then you had slid dravid and lakshman and then lakshman got bold i think and i right. was out because uh, we were coming back from lunch break and uh, uh, mahesh chetraman 
he had flown in from uh, India for the test match. So for, he missed Lords. He came at Trinbridge and we were outside getting pizza or something. And uh, we were like a few minutes late and the roar went up. And like, I, I think I wrote about this at one point, uh, like the, the feeling I had in the pits of my stomach, like, yeah. like once he knew, because Tilgar yeah. was great, you know, but Tilgar wouldn't bat time. You needed somebody yeah. to bat time. Um, you know, and you thought Dravid or Lakshman had to do it, and that wasn't going to happen. So when Lakshman fell, uh, he, wicket fell, I felt like, "Chalo, game gear. At least, let's see. Like this was like uh, throwback to the '90s. Like, chalo, India is going to lose, but at least Sachin will score some runs. You can watch. <laughs> you know. So yeah, it was uh, the Test match began with great hopes. Uh, you know, under swinging conditions, Rishan coming into the side, bowling well, taking three fair, and you know, Pravin Kumar did his job. Uh, and as you said, you know, India had lead in the first innings. And uh, if you look at the scorecard closer, they when they took the lead, I think they had five or six wickets in hand. So you thought it was going to be a substantial lead, and then it got wiped out because Broad had a hat trick. Out of nowhere, India lost five or six wickets. Um, and then what should have been like a really good first innings lead ended up being a small one. And then they, what were the 60 runs, 50 runs, something like that. And then uh, yep. England came back and uh, all this nonsense happens with the call, recalling uh, Ian Bell and all that uh, shit. Um, you know, and that was all she wrote. But we got to see a little girl uh, scoring 50. It was great, great 50. Well, let's move to the next game. Things are only getting worse. So Birmingham. Uh, I think for me personally, this was probably like the worst game uh, as an Indian fan. So India batted first. Gambir is back. Uh, they scored 224. Top score of 77 by Dhoni. And four wickets each to Broad and Bresnan. Then England bat and bat and bat. Um, not only is it annoying to be just watching Alistair Cook go on and on. He scores 294. We also let Owen Morgan score 104 with Tim Bresnan, 53. 63 extras. So England end up with 710 runs for seven wickets. There's more to come. So uh, <laughs> India bat second. They score 244. Again, Dhoni top scores with 74. And then Praveen Kumar, 40. Uh, four wickets to Anderson. For me, all I can think about from this test match is Cook batting. Like It never seemed like he would get out. And it was just painful uh what is your do, do you have any recollection of that game yeah i do actually i, I had come back to us at the time um in fact my wife had bought, uh, got a cat uh, you know uh, when i was out in uh, england there was nothing happening you know it was like i think watching pain dry would have been more fun than watching alistair <laughs> 294 right so we had this new brand new cat uh, orange little tabby really you know like five weeks old or something that day, and I, I, I watched the entire innings. The only thing that fell was my cat, so I named him Wicket. Like, we're hoping for so <laughs> Wicket. He's just walking around. One right way now. It fell. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the only thing fell was Wicket, so I named him Wicket. Uh, okay. So it was a horrible, horrible, horrible test match. Do you remember um, Cook making two forty-four in Melbourne uh, in the Nashes Test? Yes, I remember. That. Yeah, the dead pitch. Right, he cooked. He was a dead pitch in MCG, but he at Edgbaston he made the pitch look dead. It was a good wicket, uh, but he made the pitch look so dead, like there was nothing happening for the Indian boys. And it was blocking, blocking, blocking. It was like one of the worst, worst, worst innings I've ever seen. 
horrible. But I mean, like, there is not, there is nothing wrong in like you know, one team wins, one team loses, no big deal. Alistair Cook making runs or Stuart Broad taking wickets, these are like things that shouldn't happen on a cricket field. And that was <laughs> happening a lot in that series, and it was so, so you know, it's it's just horrible. It was terrible, man. You look at the bowl, bowling, like Srisant, Ishant, they all went more than four runs and over. Uh, Amit Mishra close to four runs and over. Uh, there just seemed to be no control. The, the runs just kept flowing thick and fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we, once again, it's a leg spinner, right? There are not many leg, leg spinners around the world who are uh, who can bowl defensive. Uh, the one person I can think of is Shane Warne. That's it. Leg spinners go for runs. Like Stuart Miguel, look at him, you know. Stuart Miguel would go for runs, but get wickets. That's that's like a, you're attacking outswing bowler. Like attack, that's an attacking leg spinner. Uh, Kumble is not that. Kumble is not a leg spinner. So you know, so he would bowl the line, uh, stump to stump line. So Amit Mishra, he would give boundary ball generously, every over, every over there will be one. Yeah. So which means he, it's a shocker if he goes less than five runs over. No, uh, which means like he only gave one boundary and the rest of the five deliveries were like spot on that they couldn't even get a single. But um, yeah, like it's just as an Indian fan, you thought that uh, we always imagine them bowlers to you know bowl like the opposition bowlers. Uh, yeah. But uh, but that's like saying um, uh, what's his name Dombes. That's like exp- England fans expecting Dombes and Jack Leach to bowl like uh, Ashwin and Jadeja. In India, it's, it's not going to happen. They are not that, and so it was a good realization that uh, you know Praveen and so on, so on over there, not Anderson and Swan. And that was another thing. Like we talk about Anderson brought Swan was legit number one spinner, um, and he could bowl attacking, defensive, and he brought a lot to the side uh, as a fielder, uh, just talking shit all the time, uh, and a good decent lower order bat. That Indian England side was stacked stacked. Uh, so it's, it was a pipe dream to think that India could really compete, even with Zahir Khan fit, right? Yeah. I don't think India competes well. You know, so it, it's easy to say that, oh yeah, Zahir Khan got injured, so India lost for nothing. I don't think the England team was very good and the Indian team was not so good uh, in the conditions that they are not quite used to, given all the background of uh, the uh, World Cup at home, um, IPL, uh, and uh, West Indies series where the majority of them took off. Um, you know, Kohli played there, but then he didn't play in England. Um, so, yeah, Edgbaston was horrible. You can also sort of progressively see that the Pacers are getting tireder and tireder as the series goes on, and therefore the third and fourth tests have these humongous totals from England. And that's what happens when you don't have a lead Pacer, because in this match, they bowled like 30 overs each in this innings. And you can see that that knock-on effect of being tired is, you know, going mm-hmm. on and on. And that's what kept happening throughout the series after they lost that lead pacer. And I think India just didn't have options. And that's why they had to get RPC in the end. <laughs> but yeah, 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 they were just out yeah, of that, options. Yeah, I agree. That, that's, a, that's a very good point. And if you notice, in these eight test matches, India, England as well as Australia, I don't think India ever played more than 100 overs in any of the innings. In any Which means you don't get rest at, as like, yeah. yeah, bowlers. You don't keep the that adds on, on the right. field. Yeah, and right. their bowlers are always going to be fresh. Your bowlers right. are always going to be tired, right. and that's that is not something you can sustain right. over four, four right. test series. And and that's kind of true for even Australia in the recent series that they played. They played the same bowling attack for all four tests, and there were talks about you know start not being hundred percent in the four tests. So it kind of shows that having I think teams, especially now with the bubble and 
all the back to back travel they'll need to think about you know managing that player load a little better i agree but you know it's not like um, australia were under the cosh um, that was an evenly contested series and if if stark had a niggle he should not play the fourth test match that is yeah. on stark and the management right so because uh, otherwise if you have if all the players are fit they are your number one bowlers you play them uh, you know there is enough in the history to show yeah. us that uh, for i mean if if india had scored like 6600 runs in like two test matches back to back there is an argument to be made to say that you know uh, uh, pack up uh, your uh, lead bowlers give them rest but uh, it wasn't like that um, so it was a evenly contested series um, i mean adelaide india scored 36 so they didn't bowl much there you know <laughs> so we can only handle it, one trauma at a time <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 36 36 not out is like not a big deal 36 all out sorry not out is davaskar uh, 36 all out is not a big deal you know those things like so rare so so rare that yeah. uh, it's like oh, it's we we will really talk about that in 2030 10 years from now <laughs> <laughs> no I, i don't i don't think it will sting as much as this is will, will do uh, because right. uh, the this india won the test series right you know yeah. so as a fan you still have a solid feeling coming out of these test series yeah so what they got 36 you're like are uh, you know you can make an argument right. like see even after 36 we did this even without the uh, regular captain and uh, the talisman and the number one batsman for the team india won even without um, you know ishan sharma and missing this missing that like you have washington sundar coming in and scoring like it's like this is like a dream story like you can and it's going to be like in 10 years 20 years time it'll take it'll become become a legend you know like yep. as if like all these players were like 7 foot tall and uh, you know bowling at the speed of light and all <laughs> you know it's going to happen yeah. um but but the, the 2011 um given all the things it still rankles you know we still haven't got and to the I fourth think... test <laughs> i know <laughs> <laughs> i i think the third test was where i sort of you know um i think in the second test because at one point they were 124 for 8 and there was this hope that oh maybe we're going to turn things around and obviously then brought top scored and took them to to 200 odd yeah. we still took the lead so like even you could say halfway through the game you could still hope that there's going to be something but the third test was where there's like oh yeah there's no coming back like you know it's 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 a series where you don't want to watch as a fan but you can't look away it's it just became that at that point and um, yeah it felt like the third and fourth tests were it was just uh happening to the indian team in a way you know like i've i've been part of like crappy club teams where we turn up and we try our best but for some reason the opposition takes it away and you have this sort of feeling of inevitability that oh somehow we're going to lose this game it almost felt like the indian team was going through that well let's let's jump to the fourth test because this was the end of the series but it took a really long time to get there fourth test of the oval england bat first scored 591 for 6 declared uh Ian Bell 235 Kevin Peterson 175 and Bopara was apparently playing test match I completely forgot about that he scored 44 so RP saying the man from Miami he bowled 34 overs for 118 runs no wickets um India bat they finally scored 300 for the first time in the series and they did bat 94 overs so not quite 100 uh Rahul Dravid carried the bat 146 and then Amit Mishra 43 um then of course india had to follow on and um score 283 with sachin tendulkar 91 amit mishra was batting at 5 i think he came in as a night watchman scored 84 uh so finally uh the pain came to an end but you know i i still remember i was hoping that for all of this uh 
I wouldn't call it humiliation, just the frustration of not India not being able to win any game in the series that at least we would get a hundred ton for such an out of all of that, but came very close and didn't quite make it. Um, Himanish, uh, did, did you have any recollection from this particular game? I mean, by this time I switched off and I decided <laughs> to make myself numb to this. But yeah, by the end of it, I think there are two things. Okay, so there was one, one uh, narrative going around about the bounce back ability of India. Where in, in the preceding few years, they got themselves into tight situations and then come back out of them. And so that was put to rest and which is fair because there's no such notion like this. And secondly, like uh, reading the coverage after this series, right after the fourth loss, there was a lot of blaming of the IPL going on, which now we can say that it's bunkum, right? Because now we have the IPL and we have a great test team. So that is very fascinating to see that whenever this happens to any nation, T20 is the first thing blamed. And that's what was happening then as well, uh, which was fascinating. I think, um, first, memory from this test match is uh, the Amit Mishra Sachin partnership. Um, I think I remember Ian Bell. Uh, I remember Paul Collingwood getting uh, Sachin LBW. Um, you know, it was, it looked like it was going to be going over the stars, by the way. And uh, I think it was Simon Toffel, if I don't, uh, if I'm not. Because it had to be India versus England, so it had to be it uh, was Rod a, Tucker. Aussie, was it Rod Tucker? So it had to be an Aussie uh, umpire, and very good umpires, obviously. Uh, but uh, I thought, I thought it was going over. It's going to go over the staff. I think Tendulkar reviewed. I believe uh, it was. It was a good decision, great decision by the umpire. But uh, yeah, like at least one thing that you could sell this. But uh, Mishra played a great innings um, as well. Uh, I remember uh, Himanish the, the use, talking about the bounce back ability. I think that's what I used uh, going into the trend bridge to write the blog because India would lose their poor uh, starters, series starters. They lose the first test match and then they come back and then the second one, yada, yada. So I wrote that piece. So thanks for reminding me about that uh, trope that was going making its rounds. Uh, and as it happened, it's not a thing. Uh, and we saw that again in Australia. Um, uh, but uh, the uh, end of the series uh, could not come any sooner. Uh, I, I think I, by that point, there was like, it was just lamb to slaughter. You knew there was nothing left in the tank. Uh, when it comes to bowling. And the fact that they had to go get RPC who was out of shape, out of form. Uh, I mean, you and I, any of us could have gone and bowled, um, probably would have gone for a higher, uh, but still zero wickets, I can do that. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> right? You could, you could bowl that many hours and not take a wicket. Sure, why waste uh, RPC? You know, why do this vacation? But anyway, yeah, at the end of, the, the end of that series could not come in sooner, man. Seriously, it was it was it was jarring because um, of how much hype there was around the team and the fact that uh, you got to see it, uh, you know, unfold and then see that uh, whatever hope you had, uh, you know, they uh, stabbed it, shot it, and took a giant dump on it. Um, uh, England did. Uh, we were, they were ruthless, uh, as was expected out of uh, Andy Flower and uh, Andrew Strauss. That combination, they were a very ruthless team. Um, so it, that, it was just brutal. And and what's funny is we we talk about how Praveen Kumar did well, and and he did. Like he picked picked up fifteen wickets, and you know, considering that he had little support around, that's a very good effort. But he not only got outbowled by like Broad and Anderson, he got outbowled by Tim Bresnan. <laughs> that like really shows you like India's best bowler was not even you know the, the third best bowler on on the tour. And uh, the other thing that I find really fascinating was a bowler of his caliber ended up playing only six test matches. 
so that like uh, just blew my mind when i thought about it i was like wow this guy was so good and he had a good england tour and then suddenly he's never been back and i know there were injuries and things like that but still it just blew my mind that pravin kumar ended up playing just six test matches in conclusion i want to ask subhash right so the batting failure in this series right how how much of it was down to ineptitude from the batsmen and how much of it was just good bowling from england because it's always a combination of the two right yeah and would, most of our failed say, batting order was sorry. sort of failing at that time right mm. they were at the end of their career so what was it i would say it was england uh, playing at home uh, with great bowlers suited for that condition uh, and as you brought in anderson still play 10 years later and uh, you know between them they have what uh, 1200 wickets something like that right. insane number so two legit all time greats um, some might argue but with great bowlers uh, and as you said tim bresnan uh, and they had chris tremlett uh, and swan and swan was like having an extra pace bowler really who gave you yeah. tremendous control um so they were stacked as a bowling unit um so uh, and so you would say i mean dravid managed to score what 300s and he played very very late he played like you should play in england um he played like almost uh, like a ken williamson where the ball um is like behind him and he's playing it um yuvraj was not going to succeed obviously neither was going to be rena so it basically and gambhir got injured uh mukund was too raw uh, he got a raw deal too um, you know he should have played more uh, and then so it left to tendulkar and lakshman till lakshman is a great australia player you know because he, he doesn't move his feet much and so which means in a swinging condition you are not going to succeed Problem. yeah uh, yeah but as tendulkar so tendulkar had what uh, 250s 190 and uh, 50 and then lords he wasn't well that's about it so Or, I mean, basically, we're a two-man batting lineup uh, and a no-man bowling lineup. So, four nothing seems uh, close. It's fascinating how, on on paper, you'd think that before the series, it's a good team and they have a chance. And what panned out ultimately, it's completely like different, right? Yeah. Uh, which tells goes. you that it's not our pre-series um, understanding of cricketing strengths of the two sides were completely off base. Right. We didn't really pay attention to the cricket. We went with the reputation and. Uh, you right. know uh, what happened in uh, world cup you know right. um, i i don't think that has changed how we approach indian cricket or when you say we as an in indian fans uh, approach indian cricket it's still it's like oh yeah india needs to win by 600 runs and in innings uh, the opposition needs to be bowled out for you know nothing uh, indian batsmen score 1000 runs that's the expectation anything less is a failure so that hasn't changed at all <laughs> but it doesn't no, yeah. just because we have grown yeah. we have changed doesn't mean the yeah. new generation of fans are going to have a different yeah, yeah. understanding so yeah it's, but they fact, have it's the gonna worse. it's going to be worse because these the new generation of fans are used to success right. so wait till Miss india point. starts uh, uh start you know winning series only um 3-1 <laughs> <laughs> Karthik Adate had a piece which he got numbers for from like Trick and Four, where so basically like the the long and short of it was that England had twice the luck that India had in that series uh, with the bat. If you compare the uh, number of not in control shots per dismissal, England has seventeen point six and India have nine point six. So the luck was about twice. So that's that's. that's a fascinating thing that i found as well that you know 
they bowled what, what okay, but they were also I unlucky. Mean, I, I want to ask you another question. Like, I understand they're not in control for dismissal, right? Yeah. Uh, how many, um, what was the rate of a not in control? Yeah, so that's also roughly similar, right? You see balls face for not in control is 5.4 oh, and yeah, 5. 5. So okay. it's not very different. Okay. It's not very different, right? But this is almost twice, so... Uh, Subhash, do you remember like there being a lot of drop catches? Like I'm just wondering why it's so different if uh, you know they're not in control about the same rate. Um, before I answer you, Mike, uh, you know if uh, Himanishi, you may want to go look at uh, Dravid's not in control because he was from memory. I'm speaking from memory, right? So he was the one Indian batsman that played with extremely soft hands, like you right. like batsman that grew up in England would. Right. Um, he played with like uh, very very soft hands. So mm -hmm. like he edged quite a bit. The ball wouldn't right, carry, right. just like Pujara right. in the series. Right. He'd keep edging, right. but the ball wouldn't carry. So, right. which kind of goes on to say uh, that uh, the England batsman also edged, but the balls didn't yeah. carry. Or yeah, I mean drop yeah. catches, that's going to happen. You know, it's, yeah, you can't do nothing about it really. Well, it looks like they were edging it better. Like they were edging mm -hmm. it softer. Yeah. Yeah. Looks like. Which yeah. is the right way to play in England as well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. England. Um, they batted only twice it was because india bowled only uh, what uh, six innings right six innings of bowling both lords mm. and then yeah, uh, third and fourth england uh, batted only a one innings game yeah yeah i also pulled out uh, the statistics so so let's look at the not, the runs chart so kevin peterson ian bell obviously had a great time 500 runs from four games uh, Rahul Ravid was like the lone, like for me, the defining image from the Indian perspective is like Dravid being this lone batsman. I know Sachin had a few good innings here and there, but for the most part, Dravid was like the standout and he always seemed to be like the last man standing. So he scored 461 runs uh, with an average of 76. And then everyone else you can see middling, Sachin averaging 34, Dhoni 31. And then um, I'm trying to see anything that stands out for me. Um, I mean, Suresh Ryan, if you look at it, he scored 105 runs, but 78 of those came in the first test. So that's how dire it was. And then when you look at the bowling, obviously dominated by Broad and Anderson, uh, Bresnan to, to some extent. Praveen Kumar was uh, the standout bowler for India. So 15 wickets at an average of 29. Uh, but then everything else, uh, you know, it, it goes south. I mean, I think, uh, as I was saying, like, I don't think it's surprising to see Broad and Anderson doing well, you know, with their, obviously, these really, really good bowlers and, and in English conditions, they are even better. Um, but yeah, I mean, the fact that, you know, there's the fact that Tim Bresnan is there, it shows that they had a very well-rounded attack. Uh, Swan is fifth on the list. So really, like, the Indian batsmen were getting no respite. You know, everybody was bowling well and, um, you know, challenging them. While if you look at the Indian side, obviously there's just Praveen Kumar among the wickets, and then there's a big dip with um, Ishan Sharma and Srishant, and and you know those were the closest. And it's it's really funny that Suresh Rana has bowled 60 overs, and I know Dhoni bowled in these two innings, if I remember. I think both innings of the first Test because the heroes out. So that really shows that we were you know we were just out of it, and I think we were just trying to find whatever resources possible to uh, get it over with. I mean, uh, what is the Surprising wise, like uh, Swan's average, um, which is in the 40s, and economy is 3.72. So that, that's striking to me. I thought uh, he did better than that. Um, and, you know, a lot of the runs uh, would have probably come in in uh, Oval uh, because that's where India had longer innings. Um, and Oval, you know, traditionally is supposed to be slower tracks, spinning tracks. So you would have bowled more and 
and you had two substantial innings, one from Tendulkar, one from Amit Mishra. And they would have, because I would be in the middle of the innings, Swan would have bowled a lot more. Um, but, you know, that's uh, that's what I noticed from here. And uh, this this w- method of attacking the spinner uh, starts in 2011, which they will try to do it in 2014, which led to Moeen Ali taking shit ton of wickets. Mm-hmm. Like, all over the place. Um, because they thought India's so in 2014, I was covering it uh, from the press box. In 2011, I was watching it from the stands. Um, and I remember talking about it and their idea, India's idea in 20, this kind of sets the stage for the next series. Their idea was, well, we have to tire Anderson and Broad out. How do you do that? Well, attack the spinner and make them bring their top bowlers back into bowl. That was India's legit strategy and backfired because Moeen kept yeah. taking wickets. I just want to say that uh... Dhoni is very underappreciated. Like he, he played some nice knocks in England, and people don't remember that when they talk about Dhoni, the Test batsman. I mean, yeah, if you go purely based on numbers, um, it doesn't really look great. You know, when he averages mm-hmm. only thirty-one, but yeah, we talked about him, like you know, really holding the fort with those two seventies. I think it was the third game. I mean, that's only so much you can do with the players that you get. Um, right. So a lot of emphasis placed on the captain when the side isn't doing too well. Um, I mean, it's uh, you could say because Dhoni plays with the hard hands, because that's the kind of batting, yeah, yeah. heavy bottom hand. That's why he gets, so, which, is, his, which is not suited yeah. for England. However, yeah, yeah. he still managed to score runs. He managed to yeah. play long enough to draw the Test match at Lords in 2007, and yeah. he made some decent innings here. Um, in 2014, also he was, I think, the second highest scorer for India after Vijay. Correct, you're correct. Yeah, 2014 also only yeah. he made the runs. I remember that. Um, but uh, yeah, which is which is a testament to the fact that even though his game wasn't, you know, he was a shrewd. Shrewd guy, shrewd cricketer. Yeah. Uh, so he would, he could make the adjustments on the fly. Because um, yeah. I remember in being in a press conference, I think it was Manchester um, in 2014, where uh, people were saying, you know, like, why, why are uh, the Indian batsmen playing this or that? But something in the press conference, he's like, listen, players are trying hard. Uh, they are trying to change the technique. And uh, you can't really change your technique in the middle of a series. So... You know, it takes a while and there is not many preparation, uh, you know, like you don't have prep matches like you used to playing first class games before the series. Uh, and uh, someone like Virat Kohli uh, in 20, uh, 2014, uh, he, he had a difficult time in 2014, right? So uh, he was trying to recalibrate his batting approach to, uh, in, to play in England, which he did really well in 2018 for the most part. Uh, but he was trying to change and Dhoni was trying to defend them, saying, hey, listen, it's not possible. While Dhoni was still doing that himself and he was reasonably successful for a number six, seven batsman, you know. Dhoni so, was actually uh, walking down the pitch to the swing bowlers, which is yeah. opposite to what you conventionally hear, right? Yeah. yeah. So He was doing it and he was doing it well as well. Yeah. Because he was not going to be able to play with soft hands. <laughs> right. So, right, which right. meant he went, meant to, he ran down the pitch to kill the swing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is what Kohli also did in 2018. He was playing out front compared to what you usually do. Yeah, yeah and those things like cannot happen uh, overnight. overnight. Yeah, yeah. No matter how great a yeah. batsman you are, just because you decided to run down the pitch, it may happen for like two overs. But yeah. to pull that off over a series of yeah. uh, that doesn't happen. So the fact that Doni Doni is, I think, is properly appreciated as a batsman, Yonish. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, this is like a Dravid fan saying Dravid is not appreciated. No, no, he's appreciated. He's considered one of the all-time greats. I mean, uh, Dhoni, the test so, player, is probably hard done by by comparisons with Pant now and comparisons with Gilchrist before and comparisons no, with Dhoni, Dhoni, the ODI batter. Exactly. I think that's Dhoni, where the ODI, Dhoni, Dhoni, the ODI bat kills Dhoni, the test batsman. 
right right sure 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 i think that's why the comparison yeah. is like diverges so much yeah yeah it's only the odi batsman is like knows exactly there's yeah that's like a yeah. that's like 2 plus 2 is 4 he knows <laughs> like him yeah. and kohli they know odi yeah. batting inside yeah. and out especially in the chase like yeah. i have i've actually interviewed and talked to them during press conferences like the way their brain functions in a limited overs chase it is just fantastic yeah. especially kohli yeah. Yeah. like cuz you can see kohli will be batting batting and like he look up like every 10th ball or so he look up at the score card he won't look up every single ball every 10th ball or so he look up and like, okay so he'll run through the calculations yeah, yeah. they know what to do the next two balls yeah like whether yeah, yeah. to play defend or hit a boundary they know like it's so next time you watch kohli it's like it's it's pretty yeah, yeah. cool, cool uh, yeah, yeah, to see yeah. all those things but as test matches it's an open ended question it's a phd exactly yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know so Yeah. <laughs> Let's jump to the tour of Australia. Um, you know, so India this month earlier done with this horrendous tour of England. Um, I remember compared to the England tour like or just before the England tour, I just knew that India was going to do badly <laughs> in Australia. I was just bracing myself for it, but I still uh couldn't really come to terms with the way India did end up playing in that whole tour. Uh, but all of that to say expectations were very low uh, you know did any of you guys have any different expectations when india set off for the tour down under i so i think i definitely had you know low expectations as you said because of england but the striking thing was the way they started the first game suddenly there was hope because like uh, you know obviously australia had first and made 300 odd in the first game but at one point we were 200 for two with dravid and tendulkar going well so we're like oh maybe like something has happened like they've regained form i i don't know what it is but you know there there might be a chance that we might actually compete in this series and you know they they did that uh, you know th- those two days there was like this hope that this it's going to be different from england but yeah that came crashing very quickly i think dravid got bold in that innings and after that it was all downhill for him from that point on well let, let's um, talk about that uh let's talk about that first test mcg australia bat first scored 333 uh top score ed cohen 68 ricky ponting 62 with 41 from peter siddle down the order um zaid khan is back and he's picked up four wickets and three wickets to umesh yadav and ravi ashwin india bat first and like mine mentioned they actually sort of good they are 214 for two at one point um but they soon crumbled to 282 hilfenaus picks up five uh siddle picks up three so 50s for sewag dravid and sachin and australia bat second 240 with 89 from hussey ponding scores 60 uh four wickets to umesh yadav india set a target of 292 crumbled to 169 um that's really nothing of note in the batting score card uh four wickets to patinson so india start the uh the series with a loss by 122 runs uh so sobhash you were there for this game what india are your thoughts by the way india had multiple opportunities to win this game obviously 240 for two you say so what's hidden in what's not obvious is the partnership between uh, siddle and patinson the first thing where they track similar to broad in uh, trenbridge they track because india is still reliant on one one and a half bowlers right so the backup bowlers are not there yet uh, so they let the tail wag um, and second innings you know sure they were 214 for two you know and get bowled out for a 280 odd uh, give a lead but still they start well again in the second innings Dravid drops Hussey in slips. Like easiest catch. 
drops it. And as he goes and makes 89 and like the lead gets out of hand. Like India still were within, well within a shot to win that test. Melbourne should have won. Uh, like obviously Sydney was like no contest really after India gets bowled out in two sessions. I think 170, they get bowled out. But Melbourne, they should have won. Maybe this still the final score would have been 3-1. It's possible because Australia's bowling is better. They're playing at home. However, the Australian team that was in transition, uh, I remember watching from uh, uh, the uh, long leg uh, area where Ed Cowan uh, was given the cap, um, you know, because he was making his debut. And so I remember that. And I remember even like waving at uh, Ed Cowan, like, hey, all the best, bullshit, whatever. Um, you know, um, so, and then Sean Marsh, uh, I think he scored like collective 15 or 16 runs in the entire series. So, you know, and um, so the team was, and Ricky Ponting is like reaching his end and uh, they had, uh, they had come through, I think, New Zealand, where New Zealand, uh, Doug Bracewell bowled them to a victory in Hobart. Uh, I think it was, that series happened just before this one. So Australia was like on the rocks and Clark was, even his spot was under question. This is like, Australia was not the old Australia and they had been pumped by England the previous summer. So, you know, India, obviously they're coming off the England series, but all the main players are back and they had an opportunity in Melbourne uh, and they just got out of hand. Uh, they should have won in Melbourne. Uh, the, the hopes, I don't think there were, I don't think I was expecting India to win the series, but I, I thought India would win one, if not two test matches because Sydney is always up for grabs. And like, this is Melbourne and Sydney. That's how the series starts. And then it goes to uh, Perth and Adelaide. So you're like, well, if, if they win one of the two in the first one of the two, then Adelaide, India batting could, India had done reasonably well in Adelaide, obviously in the past. So you thought at best, at worst, rather, two, two. You know, best case scenario three one. You know, you thought Australia will win one Test match uh, at home, definitely. No matter how bad they are, uh, so that was the that was the anticipation that two two was a possibility. Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, MCG yeah. Uh, high hopes came crashing by day five, and that was really the best as it could ever get for India because the remaining three Tests were terrible. Um, so the second game moves on to the SCG. India bat first, score one hundred and ninety one. Uh, top score of 57 not out from Dhoni, 41 from Sachin, and Pattinson picks up four. And then Australia bat first, and this is comparable to the Cook innings uh, from the previous tour. Michael Clark uh, scores 329 not out. Michael Hussey scores 150. Ricky Ponding scores 134. 659 for four. Um, Khan picks up three wickets, but the rest of the scorecard is pitiful. Uh, Virender Sevak bowls 23 overs for 75 runs, no wicket. Ravi Chandran Ashwin bowls 44 overs for 157 runs. And I really think in many ways, this was like the whole start of, you know, Ashwin's ineffective uh, overseas talk. I think it all started over here. Uh, India bat second, score 400 runs, which is actually pretty impressive. 83 from Gambhir, 80 from Sachin, uh, 66 from Lakshman. Ravi Chandran Ashwin scores 62. Uh, all said and done, it's an innings loss, innings and 68 runs. Um, what are your memories from this, Subash? Uh, I remember uh, leaving the ground when Clark started batting on day two, right? Like, how, like after lunch, we were like, Chalo uh, we went on a ferry ride around uh, Sydney. It was great. Um, but nothing really happened. Uh, it was just Clark was there. Like, every time you turn. So I remember the ferry had a TV on. So I went on the ferry and watched just to keep track of the score. Uh, Clark was batting, batting, it was just never ending. 
um, the Sydney Test match, I, I, was, I was surprised how, um, how you could get bowled out for 171 in two sessions in Sydney. Because, you know, it's not a fast wicket. It's not a seeming wicket. It doesn't really swing in Australia. Uh, but yet they got bowled out for 171. I have no idea how that. I think Pattinson bowled well. I think he took a four for in the first season. Yeah, four for 43. Uh, yeah, he was. I mean, he was the young phenom, um, great bowler. Uh, but you know, once again, he was very attacking. It's just I have no idea how India got bowled out for 171. I have no idea. Uh, second innings, as you said, you know, 400 in response. But by then, three for 33, and then there is no nobody to back Zahir Khan up. Once he goes off. For his, after his first spell was done, that was that. By the time he came back, the ball was old. Kukabara, old Kukabara, nothing's going to happen. Like, here's the thing. I'm, I'm, like, I, I don't think there's anything more to be said about Sydney uh, beyond that. Because the fact that he went for a ferry ride, came back, saw the final rides uh, done. See ya. And then, you know, those were the only two test matches I went there to Australia for. So after the Sydney test, I flew back to the US. Um, Ryan Harris comes in for Australia. Right. This is this is the comparison of two teams. Ryan yeah. Harris comes in because I think uh, in place of Nathan Lyon in third test, Vinay Kumar comes in place of Ashwin. So that's that should tell you every single <laughs> thing about the two teams where they were. Uh, I mean, yeah. once <laughs> you know, Ryan Harris was like a total stud. You know, uh, the guy who can bowl with no cartilage in his knee. Yeah, uh, and you have. I, mean, I have all my sympathy. I even wrote a piece for cricket for they were lucky. They were gracious enough to write, uh, allow me to publish there about Devanekuma. Because like, uh, uh, early on, where Mayank mentioned about club club cricket, where you come in hoping for the uh, against hope and all that, that was Vinaykumar, man. Like everybody has been there. Anybody that respects yeah. club cricket knows you have no shot. Like if, if you're a bowler standing on the top of your mark, you have no idea where the ball is going to go first. Two, no matter where it goes, it's going to get hit. <laughs> Right? Yeah. That was Vinay Kumar uh, and uh, they won. I think, did he score a 100 before lunch at uh, Perth? Probably he did. He felt like he did. Um, so, that was just like massacre. Once that happened, I was like, chala, katam. <laughs> no, but the fact that Ryan Harris could come in as a backup, that showed the difference. I mean, Australia, for all the trouble they've had, it was all in the batting side. They still could put together great uh, uh, bowling lineup. Out. And that's, I think that's the moral of the story, is that yeah. uh, bowling is going to win your test matches. You can see the difference between the philosophies of bowling in England and Australia, right? Because in Australia, you really get tested as a pace bowler. Because the only way for you to get wickets is keep banging on the same length and the same line. And hope for that subtle movement to take the wicket, which is what happened with India. Now, if you look at the economy rates of the Indian bowlers in this series, it's always four, five, four. So if you lack control in Australia, you're going to be punished much more than, you know, like in South Africa or England, because nothing else happens with the ball. Once the ball gets old, then you have no hope, but to land in the same place. So I think that's what we saw throughout this series. If you look at the numbers, they're very gory, but that's how it plays out. That if you don't have control in Australia, and if you don't have consistency, you're just going to get nothing. And the batters are too good to let go. And that's what we saw. Like it's a stark example of how not to bowl in Australia. And and that really is also speaks to, you know, Pakistan not doing well there. Because if you think about it, you know, India has obviously struggled abroad before, you know, last five years or so. But Pakistan used to do pretty well in England. And the reason for that was they had this good bowling lineup. 
but even then they've never been able to conquer and win in australia so you know that's always been that final frontier because even for a talented bowling lineup you still need that control you can't just have you know a few spells of brilliance move the ball around get a few wickets and be on top so i think the optimal length is also different right because the pakistani bowlers rely on swing which is a little fuller and the optimal length in australia is a little shorter of shorter of good length to good length where you have to keep banging so that's yeah I mean, if you look at, we talked about this briefly. Ishan Sharma, length is good for Australia. Um, the thing with uh, the previous tour of Australia before this recent one, you know, Bumrah. Uh, I mean, that dude showed up on international cricket fully formed, uh, which is incredible. Uh, that pace, that control, that young, uh, just total. For all the systems India has, someone like Bumrah coming through is fluke. Uh, I would say. I mean, it takes it takes a while to get used to international cricket, um, but he was he's able to do that. And then in this series, you had uh, uh, Mohammad Siraj. Uh, you know, so two really good bowlers that knew what lengths to hit right away, um, which is which India did not have. Uh, and because Vinay Kumar is a swing bowler, and he bowled swing bowlers' length and got carted around uh, Perth. Um, so anyway, uh, once again, the stark difference in uh, bowling came through. Okay, let's move on to the third game, uh, Perth. Oh, man. <laughs> that, is, that is horrible. Let's take the other extreme of uh, Edge Weston. Edge Weston yeah. was like uh, a death by a thousand paper cuts. This is like one machete. This is, it, it, it was bad all around because, uh, so let's see, India's, India bat first, score 161 runs. Virat Kohli top scores with 44. Um, and then Australia bat and led by 180 from David Warner. They scored 369 and then India can only muster up 171. Virat Kohli once again top scores with 75. India lose by an innings and 37 runs. So I know this whole game was about David Warner and his 180, but for me, um, I think for me, this was also the start of Virat Kohli's um, emergence in test cricket because I think you know, you went through a lot uh, as a player. And I still remember, was that middle finger incident in this tour? I think it was. Um, yeah. So, because I remember the color of the hat, Indian team hat color changed after that. Uh -huh. So, I still remember with the blurred picture of the middle finger, uh, the hat <laughs> color is different. So, it's an older, yeah. So, I, I think for me, this, this was like really the one lone bright spot for India, the emergence of Virat Kohli in test cricket. Like, he showed that he had a character to stand up and, um, fight but was there anything else uh notable from this game for any of you um from but just much um you know i think uh Vinay Kumar is one and done um so you should still all i think there are two things you take from this especially one uh i remember writing a piece uh, about Virat Kohli uh, and saying that this guy you need to you need to persist because there was already uh sounds um, because he played in west indies um I think Fidel Ledbetz, you know, showed him a thing or two because uh, he was giving him lip and then, you know, and then Fidel Ledbetz started bowling short and really, really quick, right? And Kohli had a difficult time and he got out to that short delivery down the leg. Uh, and then uh, he, he doesn't get play get to play in England and then he comes to play in Australia. First two test matches, you know, nothing to write home about. And then finally, in Adelaide, he figures out how to, uh, sorry, in Perth, he, you know, faster wicket, bouncy wicket, he gets, he starts figuring out how to play. And he puts on a decent score when nobody else puts on a score, right? And through and through, um, he was a professional. Like, even in Sydney, 
when uh, Australia running up uh, 600 odd, uh, he just like diving all around, like at the boundaries, fielding is like, as if like that one run, one stop is going to make all the difference. He's like being a thorough professional. And I remember writing about equating this with uh, Ricky Ponting in uh, Calcutta 2001, right? When the whole day, 376, uh, where Lakshman and Dravid played no wicket falling. Ricky Ponting is doing the same thing. Like same, like completely professional in the boundary end of the day, he's like still like, I think Matthew Hayden was bowling, right? Lakshman pulls one to deep into the boundary and Ricky Ponting out of nowhere shows up in the picture. And same thing with uh, Kohli. So I remember thinking like, this guy's got that attitude, professional attitude that you need right. to bring to test cricket, which is you give no quarter, keep pushing, keep fighting. Um, and uh, I remember there was some saying that, you know, there were some uh, talk about Kohli shouldn't be persistent with because there is Rohit Sharma. He should be given the chance. Uh, Sanjay Manjaka tweeted this, I think uh, right really? before this match, that you should give him. So you should give Kohli one more match just to confirm that he doesn't belong and mm. then play Rohit Sharma. Like he was giving his opinion and hindsight. <laughs> no, which is fine. Fun. I mean, that's his job. That's but his yeah, job yeah. As, yeah. Yeah. Ten years yeah, on, it's still being retweeted. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, like, if anything, uh, you know, Lakshman and Dravid should, and Tendulkar should have been dropped uh, for Rohit Sharma. One of those people should have been dropped for Rohit Sharma. I mean, Rohit Sharma is long overdue. He should have played. Uh, but uh, they kept persisting with Lakshman. Uh, Lakshman was done. Um, but, you know, anyway, um, I remember writing that piece about, you know, Kohli should be persisted with because this guy obviously has the talent. Obvious. Uh, but uh, international cricket is a different beast. And you need, sometimes you need that time to adjust. And he's showing that he's willing to do the hard work and be a true true professional. So, that, uh, number two, uh, which that they picked Vinay Kumar, which wasn't your top four bowler. Like, you should still play with Ashwin. Ashwin is your top bowler. I mean, fingers finish go to Australia to die, right? And still, you know, Ashwin, just because it uh, seems like a bouncy wicket, so what? Uh, it seems like a senior wicket, so what? If it seems, it will turn. So, bowler, finger spinner, it will turn. But instead, uh, you know, they're like, oh, no, 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 we have to go with four, four seeming bowlers. Just because Australia is able to do that. You don't have a fourth bowler to the quality of Ryan Harris. So and he's not the kind of bowler who can do well in Australia, right? He's not the kind yeah. of bowler who hits the deck or has pace. So I don't know what they were thinking. Like he can swing the ball, yes, but I think yeah. I think the thinking by then had left the building because uh, <laughs> after you you lose by innings and whatnot, uh, what is it? Innings and sixty runs in Sydney, where India generally do well in Sydney, by the way, and you get hammered, you you get your ass handed to you like that by a team that you thought was on the downslide, right? Clark couldn't buy a run and suddenly he's making 329. Ponting was in trouble. Um, you know, because, like before the series, Australia was a one-man batting lineup with Hussey. That's it, really. But then, you know, got out of hand and so that must have totally broken the mechanism, uh, all the thinking and stuff. So, yeah, that's why I guess they went with, uh, I mean, they would again make the same goddamn mistake with uh, picking Khan Sharma later in the series. Oh, later, yeah. uh, four years later. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I said the other thing um, that sort of stood out for uh, me from that test was Umesh Yadav taking a Pfeiffer. And that was interesting for a couple of reasons. One, he took a Pfeiffer where he bowled three batsmen. So, you know, he was bowling reasonably well, but at the same time, he was going at five and over. Uh, so he was, you know, inconsistent and brilliant in his brief, uh, uh, you know, brief periods. And the other thing it sort of uh, made me feel was, you know, they've 
thought that oh yeah maybe like umesh yadav maybe that game gave them the impression that umesh yadav is a good bowler for perth because he sort of hits the deck um you know it's it's and then extract some extra bounce which is why i remember they played him in 2018 as well uh and when he was played in 2018 everybody was shocked and everybody's like why are you playing umesh yadav like he's a good bowler but why all of a sudden is he in the lineup and i i almost feel like you know that performance led to this belief that you know perth is obviously better for somebody like umesh and they have since uh, persisted with him a little more there which which tells you that uh, you know when the chance came uh, they picked siraj over umesh that tells you that mm. finally they are learning because umesh yadav is a bowler that you would pick if you watched only the highlights right you would pick umesh yadav because yeah. the wickets he takes are like fantastic you know broad shouldered fast uh, moves the ball late uh, uh, you know ball skips off the surface you know you can swing uh, in and out all that what you don't see is the ball that he bowls down the leg every freaking third delivery is one to like when you're bowling in india there is a bit more margin uh whereas you bowl anywhere else that line you get taken for four easily uh so yeah he's a he's a highlights bowler if you only watch the highlights as a selector you would pick umesh yadav every single time because he's got the physical attributes and then highlight showed me that he can take wickets all right let's jump to the fourth and final test it finally comes to an end all at adelaide for one final um salt in the wound um we don't get one but two double hundreds from the aussies uh so australia bat first scores 604 for 7 uh with 221 ricky ponting 210 from michael clark and uh ravi chandran ashwin picks up 3 for 194 from 53 overs india bat first and scores 272 virat kohli scores 116 and five uh five for to peter siddle australia bat second score 167 for five declared and uh india set a target of exactly 500 runs scored 201 uh top score of 62 from virender sevag finally the painful series ends as australia win by 298 runs and um you know i was kind of like looking at the headlines uh that came out of uh after the series ended so these were the top 3 time for india to shed denial uh, after their skills were found wanting and their mental fortitude question india cannot afford to wallow in home comforts then uh dravid says no need to make a decision now when it comes to retirement and then uh, a funereal end to indian cricket's greatest era the superstars are fading the youngsters are a raggedy bunch india selectors need to take tough calls on team's future so this is this the shardagra right uh i think this so this is shardagra yeah and the first one was yes. monga i think yeah yes so this is the state of the indian team uh, by the end of this series so uh let's go with you mike uh what what did you think like what what is just your overall evaluation uh, from the fourth test and then the series overall i mean i think the fourth test yeah i mean the, the fact that two out of form batsmen as subhash was saying were scoring double hundreds said everything that needs to be said like we were you know way behind the game and there was really not much to see um not much of a competition i think from the series i did agree with you know some of those ideas because Uh, at that point if i remember right the next away tour was also a while away so we knew we had this long home season coming up um so i was quite on board with the idea that yeah let's get rid of you know the dravid lakshman tendulkar combo let's bring in some young players let's give them time to you know play some home tests um get into the you know get into their routine and give them time in international cricket so that they are ready whenever we go next whether it's 2014 or uh whenever we go abroad next um and i mean i think at that point i even thought you know that as a captain maybe we can look at other alternatives but uh, i definitely felt that a change was needed 
um and it just felt like uh, you know both lakshman and uh, I, i think dravid retired fairly up soon after that but uh, lakshman and tendulkar both went on for a while which in my mind was unnecessary like if if you know we we i think as indian selectors in general they care about their senior players a little too much and give them too much respect i would have preferred to like drop them and move on i think uh, as i said uh, the england four nothing um on paper it looks close uh, it should have been eight nothing in a four test match series uh, whereas australia i thought uh, india did slightly but in, there there were opportunities uh, for india to do something uh, but once it got away from them and australia is a very unforgiving place uh, if you're not if if you're not there as a bowler uh, it's a very unforgiving place um, and you know this is first series for ashwin um, difficult for a finger spinner uh, but uh, i think uh, there was a lot Uh, there was learned from this series um you know obviously virat kohli allowed virat kohli to you know gain a foothold in uh, the indian team and uh, he hasn't let go of it since um and also that uh, you know he had shown enough um um fortitude uh, professionalism uh, that uh, eventually when the time came in the 2014 series dhoni would be like okay you are the captain now uh, basically right and and uh, the, there was a lot of uh, you know the loose hanging uh, low hanging fruit which was ipl at the time i remember uh, gideon hay wrote a piece where he said the indians cruised to defeat uh, about the series <laughs> which is it encapsulated uh, what happened but at the same time it was not true to what happened um it's a good recap uh, but it wasn't true because obviously these are professional trying uh, but uh, people read a lot into the fact that uh, you know uh, india was just under the cosh what can you do man uh, if you uh, outgun there's not you can, nothing much you could do i remember interviewing him later on and uh, just arguing with him and uh, he said like subhash this is a newspaper column you can disagree as much as you want you know <laughs> that's fine you're free to disagree uh, but anyway like um, because everybody pointed to uh, as himanish said he said um, about uh, you know is anything bad happened means like must be because of the ipl oh all these players with the bling so must be the ipl money that's like not allowing them to play cricket and like there's lock all kinds of nonsense that came out of uh, the press uh, you know intestinal fortitude and uh, this and that these are professional cricketers man they are getting out this is going to happen uh, yeah. you know um, lots of teams have come to india and lost for nothing right so what move on it's just that india at least subcontinent teams that no 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 matter what you do at home you have to do in england and australia to get the stamp of approval who came up with yep. this you know nonsense That's so the whole thing with the sena and, and i remember sena country <laughs> doing well in sena started sena filter whatever um and then there was this other three strand going on during this australia series which was that um, you know um, india would send uh, ravichandran ashwin to pretty much all the press conferences it was new uh, because dhoni was like i couldn't be asked to do these press conferences i'm going to do your pre match and then post series post match and post series that's all i'm going to do and people press conference like, how could you not come and explain yourself i'm like what is there to explain if you watch the cricket there is nothing to explain so like there, there was something that happened where i at the end of the series not as a fan or anything i'm just like the especially the indian press took themselves way too seriously as if the players owed something to them yeah no even as a fan the players owe us nothing 
nothing. Just because we buy a ticket does not mean uh, Virat Kohli has to conduct himself in some particular way and score these many runs and win this many matches. It was nothing. Uh, and the media uh, thought uh, the Indian team uh, owed them something, like appearances by the captain every day, every... Like, if they do, great. If they don't, so what? You know, plus, how does it matter what they say in press conferences? Whatever you need to know about the cricket is already happened on the field. Go write about that. You know, you just want some random quote, take, put it out of context and create some gin up some controversy and uh, sell uh, clicks. That's all you want to do, right? So uh, I remember thinking like, oh man, um, things that, because I remember one of the press conferences, I think the Indian press boycotted or something, as if Indian team is like, going to turn around and say like, like they, they didn't, because Dhoni didn't come. So they said like, okay, they're going to send somebody or something. And uh, they're like, no, we don't need to need this press conference. Something like that happened. Um, and I remember thinking like, oh, wow. I thought the players were prima donnas. The press, press is bigger <laughs> prima donnas than that. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, thinking like, no, you need the players. Players don't need you. You know, because this is the early times of social media. So guess what happened? You know, Insta and Twitter and Facebook. So completely. Uh, media is like, role is now so uh, tertiary. Like nobody really cares. Right. What, unless you're like some really established, respectful voice, like uh, say Atherton or somebody or Gideon or whatever. Nobody really gives a shit about what you think. And uh, that has a lot to do with the uh, media taking themselves very too seriously and not reporting on the cricket. Right. Right. And I think that's that's very true because like even the club cricket scenario that I was saying, it, it seems like the game goes away. That's like bad execution. Like you're either dropping catches, you're not bowling well. That's how it's going away. And that's the meat of it. Like it's not, you know, some superpower that's overpowering you. And I think that's what sometimes the media forgets when these things happen. They're like, oh, you're not taking the game seriously. Dhoni's bowling. This isn't, you know, whatever, aberration for test cricket or whatever, you know, that those kind of remarks. I mean, the truth is, the view just outplayed. Like at the end of the day, that's that's all there is to it. <laughs> and uh, that's why like I sometimes feel that the media definitely jumps on it a little too seriously. And they're like, you know, as you said, some of the instances where I didn't even remember they boycotted one of the press conferences. But yeah, that seems way too crazy. Yeah, like, and it's not like Dhoni wants to, you know, take off his glove and start bowling. It's not, that's not his job, you know. And the fact that he's bowling must tell you something that uh, obviously he's losing, his, he's lost his main bowler and uh, he's got not, nothing else. And he's got a, Three more test matches to come, so you can't bowl, burn his one or two good bowlers into the ground in the first test match. So he's willing to bowl, right? He's, you have Suresh Rana bowling 28 overs or whatever. All these things, there is a reason why these things happen. You know, you go rather than like, oh, they must not take test series seriously. I, you know, uh, because they're uh, all that matters is uh, their IPL money and uh, playing the tournament. It's possible for some players, it might be must be the case, could be the case, um, but. To point to everything, you go to the low-hanging fruit of uh, IPL and before that it was nepotism and all that nonsense. Yep. Like, you're not a journalist. You're not nothing. You, you, to, I'm going to borrow a, a phrase from Kartikeya because Kartikeya has done like fantastic work, which is, he calls uh, the, especially the press, Indian press, the peddlers of grievances. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the peddlers of grievances, right? And which is what, even to this day, that's what goes on. Like, you know, our national pride is hurt because, I don't know, uh, uh, some bowler did not land it at the same spot six balls in a row. Our national pride is hurt. I'm like, man, your pride in your nation must be so fragile. Yeah. That uh, bowler's <laughs> performance is what is going to dictate how well a citizen are you going to be of that nation. I'm like, 
yeah. get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I I I want to very quickly uh, look at the the stats that came out of this series. So uh, unsurprisingly, Clark and Ponting with those big scores uh, top the charts. Uh, for India, surprisingly, all right. Probably not surprising, surprisingly now, but Virat Kohli uh, leads the charts with 300 runs, uh, averaging 37, just over 37. But then you look at the rest of the numbers, uh, it's all disappointing as far as the batting charts are concerned. Um, Dhoni doesn't really have as decent a series as he had in England. He only averages 20 from three games. Uh, Dravid uh, only averages 24, again, a big drop from his performance in England. And, you know, you know, when I mentioned like how the defining series for me, uh, for the England tour, for me was Dravid kind of holding the forward. I think for the defining image of this tour for me was Dravid's uh, stumps being shattered. I think it was like the last game or something. And that really signaled the kind of the end of an era, almost like the big three kind of fading away. And um, I remember there was this headline about, you know, this was the last chance for the big three, that is Dravid, Tendulkar, and Lakshman to win a series down under. And now they're going to retire with, you know, uh, no series win in Australia. And I think it speaks to what he just said about pride and this national pride. There's, there's too much importance and emphasis placed. So what if they didn't win that series down under? They still have won plenty of series throughout their career. But um, yeah, that, that was very surprising for me. Um, uh, I would say the blame for Dravid, Lakshman, and Ganguly, not, sorry, Dravid, Lakshman, and uh, Tendulkar, not winning a series should go to uh, Saurabh Ganguly, not uh, not to Dhoni or any other team. 2003, man, that that was it. That's when that they had the chance close. and they blew it in Sydney. Yes. They, blew, they blew it in Sydney, you know. So, uh, so blame Ganguly, as always. Um, then let's look at the bowling. And this, the first thing that really surprised me, it looks like Ashwin was the only specialist spinner employed by India in this whole series. The only other spinner was Virender Sehwag, who bowled 48 overs across four games. Um, yeah. But India clearly, you know, decided the pace was the way to go. And uh, Zahir Khan did decently. He picked up 15 wickets, average of 31. Ramesh Yadav picked up 14, uh, but went over four runs and over from all the four games. Uh, so anything that stands out for you guys from these numbers for batting and bowling? I think from batting perspective, what's interesting is in six innings, Ash- Ashwin scored almost as many runs as Dravid, Gambhir, Lakshman, and Sehwag did in eight. Like they're within the 20 odd run difference. So that tells you how you know poor the execution was from the batting perspective. And and I think that's the bigger problem in this series because it wasn't that the wickets were you know very challenging. Uh, it, it, they the opposition scored 300s and and so on. So like the fact that we didn't execute our batting after that first innings and. In, Melbourne um, was definitely very shocking. He was the middle of the uh, pack Australia team, really. And the fact that mm-hmm. India got hammered for nothing. Um, I mean, you could say the batsman could have done better, but at least, you know, Hilfenhaus, uh, Siddle, these are not great bowlers. You know, on a decent day, they can be a handful. Uh, but uh, they were accurate bowlers. They still were accurate bowlers. Then you had the pace of Pattinson, uh, Lyon, uh, and then you had Ryan Harris for two matches. Uh, so uh, overall, I think they were a pretty decent uh, home side. That's like that's like India going with uh, Kumble, Raju, and Chauhan, right at home. They're gonna yeah. Raju, Raju, and Chauhan are not your uh, definition of uh, great bowlers. But 
combo of that was uh, pretty good to beat England 3 nothing in 93, right? On a depends on the conditions too, but still, uh, you're playing at home, Australia, uh, you need to know how to bowl with Kokobarani to be fit. Uh, of uh, Indian bowlers, I would say Ishant and Umesh are the fit bowlers, but then they come with their own uh, emotional baggage uh, and cricketing baggage, uh, those two. Uh, and once again, Zahir Khan would give opening, uh, you know, with the new ball. And as soon as he goes out of the attack, that's it. That's pretty much it. And Ashwin was just too raw, 2011-12, uh, right? So because he had debuted uh, against Miss Indies in 2011 at home, and then this series, uh, you would, you know, you'd go to abro go abroad. Um, he was such a baby uh, in that series. Uh, I remember seeing him in uh, in, uh, in Melbourne, like because they were staying somewhere near the Crown uh, Crown Casino Hotel, whatever. And I remember seeing him there one evening. Um, but you know, was, he, he looked like a little yeah, little boy. You know, he was, yeah. I mean, he was tall and all, but he's a little kid. You know, um, and it showed that he do, tried to do his best in three test matches, but. Uh, Australia is not where the fingers will succeed, typically. And the fact that he has been able to come back and do well, you know, shows that he's, he's, he's class, which is good. Um, but yeah, other, other than that, you know, it's once again, like all the names are there, but the numbers aren't <laughs> on the bowling side. Same thing with the batting side. All the names are there, the numbers aren't because one was too young. On the bowling side, we were just not a bowling, uh, experienced bowling unit as a whole. On the batting side, very experienced unit, but on the downside. We kind of talked bits and pieces over, over the course of this about what went wrong um, and you know what are the reasons for the failure. But let's talk about what this really meant in the immediate aftermath of the, the two tours um, and, and really long-term too. Do you think that it had a bearing on how the test team shaped up in the coming the years since then, to the point where now India is now the final of the World Test Championship. Um, do you think this two, these two tours had any big impact on India's strategy in Test cricket? I don't think there's any evidence to point to that, except for circumstantial evidence. You could say like, well, this happened, that happened, and so this must have caused that. Uh, you could, if you want to make that argument, then you'd be making a giant leap of faith because uh, India still haven't won in England a series. Uh, since then, uh, they have won in Australia. They haven't won in South Africa. So I don't know. There's nothing to say that this caused that. Sure, they're a number one team. Uh, they are very competitive, pretty much wherever they play. Even though they lost the series, what, 3-1 uh, or 4-1 in England uh, last time around? 4-1, um, I think. 4-1, right? 4-1, so, yeah. Yeah, but it, the series score was 4-1, but it was a lot closer than that. The San Karan was a difference, once again. Uh, uh, so... Uh, Think sort of, and same South Africa, they could have won except for the one match where Abdi Abdi just goes ape shit, um, and that those sort of things did not happen in Australia and India won, right? So uh, I think they are a well-rounded side because the maturity in bowling uh, uh, and the class they have now, now they can go to second string of bowlers and still be very competitive no matter what the condition is. That's all, and I don't think that we can make a linear uh, uh, connection to what happened in 2011-12 uh, because 10 years is a long time for a bowling lineup. It's not like, I mean, you sure, you still have Umesh, Ashwin, and Ishant, but uh, all those things change dramatically. Uh, uh, I would say like middle of the decade. So that 2010-11-12, I don't think I had much bearing on how the Indian team is today. Uh, 
Himanish, uh, what do you think is like the biggest difference between that test side uh, of those two teams back in 2011 and now the test side under Kohli that's made it to the final think, of the WTC? I think this goes back to what Subhash was saying, right? So there's no, there was no knee-jerk sort of trigger after that series that we need to change our systems or we need to do this, we need to sack Dhoni. There's nothing. But there's been a gradual change in the structures that lie underneath the Indian team. Uh, which has kind of ensured that A, the quality of your first side is very good. And B, when your second string side comes up to play test because they're already prepared for it because they played A games. And I think that has been the biggest difference, right? So now if you call upon a Shardul Thakur or a Washington Sundar, who's probably an aberration, but yeah, they will be ready to at least do a decent job versus having to call RP Singh from somewhere in the US, right? So that structural change has a much more long-term effect. It's a much slower change and it has far-reaching effects in the future and the present rather than just, you know, being shocked at that, you know, uh, scoreline from that year. I don't think that did anything because, you know, in, in, in other countries, maybe you would have had some sort of inquisition and some sort of committee investigating what happened and so on. But in India, I did nothing. And I don't know why that was maybe Dhoni was too powerful to be dislodged. I don't know, you know, but that did nothing. But there's been a gradual shift that has uh, contributed in a much more rounded way to making India a better test team. Uh, and, you know, like, like we said multiple times, it is the bowlers that win you test matches. And as we've gone through these eight matches over the course of these two hours, uh, we've seen that apart from that one bowler bowling one or two spells, you really had nothing. And that was the big difference. And that is the biggest difference that today, even if Ashwin goes to Australia, he might not pick like five wickets. He'll not do that. But he will give you control that is superhuman, which is what you need from him. And then you have three good pacers around him, which is how you win test matches. You, you don't win them by having two freak bowlers. You have to have a well-rounded pace battery and a good spinner with control. So we have all that now, which is why we are so successful, uh, which is the biggest difference, I think. I mean, earlier, was it a question of personnel not being there, the systems not being there, the knowledge in the system not being there, which always surprises me, right? Because Ishan Sharma, who was a veteran by 2018, it was only when he went to Sussex and talked to Jason Gillespie, who told him a thing that seems obvious to me, that you should bowl a little fuller. So the kind of knowledge that is now percolated into the system is also different. So there's, there's a multitude of factors that goes into this, which... You, you can't blame it on one, you know, like series or like a couple of series. I think, uh, Himanish, uh, back in 2011, the, the reaction to this was, I mean, I don't know how you take a 4-0 loss in England and 4-0 loss in Australia and combine them as 8 nothing, right? They just happened to be back-to-back -back overseas tours. But um, there was a lot of knee-jerk reaction, by the way. It's just that uh, Srinivasan was at the helm and Dhoni was at the right. helm and they said like, right. listen, this is just a game. You're not going right. to lose a shit over this. Right? But right. For the team, it meant nothing. Yeah. yeah. Team, yeah. Like, what are you going to do, man? We see our flaws and this is the best. If you put together as the best team and we see we are flawed and we're not able to compete. That's in, in sporting terms, sometimes sport is like very, very cut, cut and dry. You don't have the bowlers, you're not going to win test matches. And, and I think all of them were very clear about that. Um, even if Tendulkar and Travin, they all made runs, uh, you know, uh, it wasn't going to happen because the bowlers weren't good enough. Um, so, which is why there was no major uh, 
knee-jerk reaction. They're like, I mean, we're gonna, we have lost many test series before. We're gonna lose many test series after now, especially abroad. But uh, we don't have the bowlers that we need as a collective. Um, so uh, I think that's why they were it. Uh, but there was a lot of uh, heartburn uh, in the Indian fandom and uh, Indian press uh, questioning, uh, you know, uh, manhood and all that nonsense, you know, like, oh, running with, uh, you know, the tail between the legs and all that nonsense, like all kinds of, like, there is no spine. Uh, what Karthike calls a psychobabble. A psychobabble, exactly. You know, psychobabble. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's the same nonsense over and over, like, you know, one, win a match, a series, and then like, you're either and, yeah, you lose one year, like, yeah, like, I'm like, you can't have that crazy swings anyway. So it was good to have Dhoni at the helm because uh, he was like, I couldn't give a shit about what you think. Yeah, I'll continue doing what we do and we're going to win some, we're going to lose some, whatever. As you wrap up uh, this conversation, uh, let me tell you that all of this nuance was lost on me because for me, <laughs> all I could see was India lost or India was whitewashed on two tours of uh, you know, both tours to England and Australia. And for me, it was, I think prior to this, the 1999 tour of Australia was the most traumatic one for me as a fan. Um, and I think for me, because I was still like, at least back in 99, I was still like early days as a cricket fan. But by then this narrative had been really sunk into my head that, yeah, sure, India can win at home, but can they win abroad? Because that's what is being really fed or being reinforced to us, right? So when the Indian team goes abroad and then they lose, you know, it does get into your head or it's a matter of pride because it's humiliating. Why cannot, why can't India win abroad? And when Australia and, seem to win in Australia, England seem to win in England. Why can't India yeah. win in England or Australia? It's, right. It's simple... <laughs> or at least lose with some dignity, you know, lose in close game. Don't get like hammered. Don't like just give up at the first sign of resistance from the opposition. Uh, so looking back, I remember those, especially after the World Cup win, suddenly you thought India was going to win everything going forward. Like that's it. This is like the best team ever. Uh, so to come down from that high to this almost humiliating losses. And now looking back, you know, 10 years later, now I can say, you know, it, it was it was kind of horrendous now to look back and see that was really disappointing and demoralizing. But that was not the end of the world, <laughs> you know. But in the moment, it actually, felt like the end it. of the world will come in Mumbai in 2012, actually. That's, oh, it. Uh, that's a whole that's other it. episode. I was there for that. I was there for that this much too. <laughs> yeah. See, that, losing. I can. I can see why you got brutal. a reputation of. I can see why you got a reputation of losing India games at the moment you were at the ground. <laughs> yeah, we never let uh, Subhash forget those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've since watched many tests and ODIs where India win, but. But you've probably not watched yeah. any games in stadium recently, right? Any uh, Indian games. I think because I did watch in uh, Chennai and Bangalore. I mean, okay. India won that series uh, 2017 or something. I think that was the last. But since you stopped watching in stadium, India has gone on to become like the top team in test cricket. On uh, average, or, yes. <laughs> among the top teams. I think we on finally average, found correlation. You can't argue with numbers. So. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I want to thank you so much for your time. Um, I know we took a lot of it, but... Uh, uh, this, at least for me, I don't know about you guys, but for me, it was very therapeutic to kind of revisit stuff that I think I had suppressed <laughs> and <laughs> just talking about it. And it's not a matter of closure, but just kind of appreciating the team now, the current team now and 
the journey of Indian cricket over the last 10 years, uh, at least for this generation of fans, right? Um, so it, it, was, it was fun talking about it and revisiting all those quirky stuff that happened. I forgot all about the Ian Bell run out that wasn't uh, <laughs> till I was going over this. Yeah, he was a run out. It still was. Yes, he was. But yeah, anyway, it's a whole yeah, other yeah. Spirit of Cricket episode that we're going to do one day. But um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if so you, if you have me on the episode, it'll be a very short episode. <laughs> I think it'll be short for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think I think if you look at those, like because you still have players from that series, right? You have Vishan, you have yeah. Ashwin, you have Umesh, you have Virat Kohli, uh, Rohit Sharma was on the bench. Uh, who is Saha was there in Australia, I think, mm. backing up uh, Dhoni. Um, yeah. Who else? So at least five, six players from that time frame, uh, you know, still in the Indian squad, uh, and. Uh, you know, it's easy to say, like, oh, yeah, all those things led to this, you know, uh, but I'm sure, you know, it led some of it, you know, uh, allowed them to become the players that they were and the team to become what it is today. The fact that, you know, you pretty much, you know, like uh, the fact that they could go down to Australia, win 3-1 so that they can qualify for the World Test Championship final. Right? It's, yeah. If, you know, we... 20 years ago or 10 years ago, if say like those, that's what you have to do to qualify. See you later. Whereas here, it's like they made it, and it's like fans don't even like, oh, what? What did we do? You went to Australia, win 3 1, and then qualified? You know, like there's, there's an expectation. So, which means the downfall is coming. So, you know, enjoy, enjoy the time that you have. <laughs> On that optimistic note, we are going to. Wrap it up here. Uh, so thank you, Subhash, for your time. And uh, yeah, look, come back for another episode. We'll talk about the spirit of cricket for like five minutes. Hey, thanks for thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Nice talking to you. Well, that's it for this episode of the Last Wicket. A special thanks to Subhash for his time, and you can find him tweeting occasionally at Cricket Couch. And if you're still listening to this, thank you for persisting. If you enjoyed this conversation, do rate and subscribe to this podcast to be notified of new episodes, follow us on your social media feeds, and do leave us a voice message if you would like to be featured on the show. Thank you for listening to us, and from all of us here at The Last Wicked, stay safe and stay healthy. Mm-hmm.